welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is the Solemnity of All Saints. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. To prepare ourselves, let us acknowledge our sins. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Glory to God in the highest, and And on on earth earth, peace to people of goodwill. We praise you, we bless you, we adore you, we glorify you. We give you thanks for your great glory. Lord God, heavenly King, O God, Almighty Father, Lord Jesus Christ, only begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world, receive our prayer. You are seated at the right hand of the Father, Have mercy on us, for you alone are the Holy One, you alone are the Lord, you alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, in the glory of God the Father. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty ever-living God, by whose gift we venerate in one celebration the merits of all the saints, bestow on us, we pray, through the prayers of so many intercessors, an abundance of the reconciliation with you for which we earnestly long. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of the Apocalypse. I, John, saw another angel rising where the sun rises, carrying the seal of the living God. He called in a powerful voice to the four angels, whose duty was to devastate land and sea. Wait before you do any damage on land or sea, or to the trees, until we have put a seal on the foreheads of the servants of our God. Then I heard how many were sealed, 144,000, out of all the tribes of Israel. After that, I saw a huge number, impossible to count, of people from every nation, race, tribe, and language. They were standing in front of the throne and in front of the Lamb, dressed in white robes and holding palms in their hands. They shouted aloud, Victory to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels who were standing in a circle round the throne, surrounding the elders and the four animals, prostrated themselves before the throne and touched the ground with their foreheads, worshipping God with these words, Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honour and power and strength to our God forever and ever. Amen. One of the elders then spoke and asked me, Do you know who these people are 
dressed in white robes, and where they have come from. I answered him, You can tell me, my Lord. Then he said, These are the people who have been through the great persecution, and they have washed their robes white again in the blood of the Lamb. The Word of the Lord Thanks be to God. Lord, this is the people that longs to see your face. Lord, this is the people that longs to see your face. The Lord's is the earth and its fullness, the world and all its peoples. It is he who set it on the seas, on the waters he made it firm. Lord, this is the people that longs to see your face. Who shall climb the mountain of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? The man with the clean hands and pure heart, who desires not worthless things. Lord, this is the people that longs to see your face. He shall receive blessings from the Lord, and reward from the God who saves him. Such are the men who seek him, seek the face of God of Jacob. Lord, this is the people that longs to see your face. A reading from the first letter of St. John. Think of the love that the Father has lavished on us, by letting us be called God's children. And that is what we are, because the world refused to acknowledge Him. Therefore, it does not acknowledge us. My dear people, we are already the children of God, but what we are to be in the future has not yet been revealed. All we know is, that when it is revealed, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he really is. Surely everyone who entertains this hope must purify himself, must try to be as pure as Christ. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia. Come to me, all you that labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest, says the Lord. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up the hill. There he sat down and was joined by his disciples. Then he began to speak. This is what he taught them. How happy are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Happy the gentle, they shall have the earth for their heritage. Happy those who mourn, they shall be comforted. Happy those who hunger and thirst for what is right, they shall be satisfied. Happy the merciful, they shall have mercy shown them. Happy the pure in heart, they shall see God. Happy the peacemakers, They shall be called sons of God. Happy those who are persecuted in the cause of right. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Happy are you when people abuse you and persecute you and speak all kinds of calumny against you on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward will be great in heaven. The Gospel of the Lord Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. You know what? We've got a lot to cover today, so uh, no cute intro stories. We've got to jump right into these Beatitudes. 
Eight times Jesus repeats the same structure of the statement. Happy the poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Happy the gentle, they shall have the earth for their heritage. Now, the structure of these statements is that they come in three parts. There are three bits that are contained in each one of these Beatitudes. And the first element is happy, blessed. Now, what do we mean by this word? Well, it's not just a kind of emotional satisfaction or or pleasant feeling. Um, Because if it was, then, you know, the beatitude, blessed are those who mourn, would be a contradiction in terms, because mourning is exactly the opposite of being happy at any given moment. No, there's a deeper meaning that's contained in that word. Um, It's a matter of living the fullness of life, living according to God's logic and under his promise of blessing, under his program of happiness and of joy. But when you read the Beatitudes, it sounds like, you know, there's no happiness now, there's happiness later. That because you're poor in spirit, because you're gentle, because you mourn, because you're merciful, all of that happiness gets transferred into the future, to the end times. And that really what Jesus is saying is you need to be unconcerned about your present happiness and possibly live a fairly miserable kind of life. Well, Pope Benedict in his work, Jesus of Nazareth, um, points out that, hey, look, the blessedness of the future is something that takes root now. Listen to this. He says, when man begins to see and to live from God's perspective, when he's a companion on Jesus' way, then he lives by new standards. And something of the eschaton, that means the end times, right? Then something of the eschaton, of the reality to come, is already present. Jesus brings joy into the midst of affliction. In other words, living out the Beatitudes brings a present blessedness because we're living under God's promise. Something of that joy which finds its fulfillment in Christ already inserts itself into our present struggles and our present difficulties. So it's not like the Beatitudes are this program for present misery but future joy. No, no, no. It's also a way of bringing that future joy into the now, knowing that in the life of the Beatitudes, we live under God's promise and God is faithful. Okay, so that's the first structural element of each of the Beatitudes. The second bit is followed by a certain state or condition Happy, blessed, says the Lord, are the ones who are poor in spirit. This second bit describes what the life of the blessed is like now. They're meek, they mourn, they hunger and thirst for what is right. But it's not the condition itself which is blessedness. It's not being poor in spirit, it's not being gentle, it's not mourning that is blessedness. This is what brings blessedness. No, no, no. The reason why the people who live according to these conditions are blessed is because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Is because they shall have the earth for their heritage. Is because they shall be comforted and they shall be satisfied and they shall have mercy shown them. And all the Beatitudes operate like this. The gentle are blessed because the gentle have the earth for their heritage. Blessedness comes to the pure of heart because the pure of heart shall see God. 
Blessedness comes to those who are persecuted, not because persecution is a blessing itself, but because persecution brings a great reward in heaven. But I think we need to acknowledge something, though. The Beatitudes seem to create a somewhat topsy-turvy point of view. I mean, we don't ordinarily associate the poor, the persecuted, the mourning with the ones who are happy. When you stop and think about it, the Beatitudes actually start to paint a picture which is almost the exact opposite of what the world says true blessedness is. It's not the poor in spirit who are blessed, it's the ones who are wealthy. It's not the gentle, it's the ones who are able to exert their power and get their own way. It's not those who mourn, it's the ones who are content. It's the ones who have sought their own satisfaction in the world. It's not those who hunger and thirst for what is right, it's those who are able to get what they want. They're the ones who are truly blessed. It's a topsy-turvy picture indeed. Now, I'm sure you all know Bishop Robert Barron of um, Word on Fire Catholic Ministries. In commenting on the Beatitudes, um, he actually makes a very interesting point, which I think is a helpful key to unlock the logic under which these Beatitudes are operating. He makes this observation. He says, look, sin is always some kind of addiction. It's an interesting little thought. Because an addiction is something that robs us of our freedom. Addiction isn't just, oh, I made a mistake once. No, addiction is the state of being trapped, of not being able to free oneself of a certain pattern of behavior. And and sin has that quality to it. And when we take that and apply it to the Beatitudes, suddenly we start to see how the worldly project actually starts to rob us of true blessedness. Because here's the thing, right? Our desires are infinite. We're never satisfied with something that's limited because as soon as we possess it, our minds turn towards what's more, what's new. There's only one who corresponds to our infinite desire and that's the one who is infinite, God. Our deepest yearning is for God. And so Jesus declares the ones who are blessed to be the ones who are not addicted to that which is limited, not addicted to possessions, but who find that their true satisfaction is found only in God. So, blessed are the poor in spirit. We would think that the lucky ones are the wealthy ones, the ones who have the luxury to take holidays and drive cars, who grab people's attention, who live in houses that cause others envy. But instead, The poor in spirit are the ones who will possess the kingdom of heaven because they're not caught up in the rhythm of addictive desire. They've uncovered the futility of that desire, which tries to convince us that if I just get that, then I'll be satisfied. The blessedness of the poor in spirit is the freedom of not being caught up in the addiction of possessions. All right, we're not going to do all the Beatitudes, don't worry. (laughs) We'll get you out of here soon. Listen to this one, though. Happy are those who mourn. Surely we would consider those who are sad to be the very ones who are not happy. However, if we continue to see sin in terms of a kind of addiction, we can enter into this beatitude and uncover what lies behind this apparent contradiction. You're blessed, you're happy, if you're not addicted to good feelings. When we're addicted to good feelings and pleasures, 
we begin to pursue them even at the cost of our own greater happiness. The pattern of addiction to good feelings is much like the pattern of addiction to material things. We strive to achieve some pleasure, but it doesn't last, so we need to seek another and another and another. And when we begin to seek good feelings in manners which are not conducive to our happiness, like through drugs or alcohol, we can seek good feelings by manipulating others, you know, especially our loved ones. I'm willing to employ whatever means in order to generate that feeling. Now, interestingly, C.S. Lewis in the Screwtape Letters uncovers an insidious temptation that accompanies pleasure. Screwtape's advice to the little novice devil Wormwood with respect to pleasure is this. He says, An ever-increasing craving for an ever-diminishing pleasure, that is the formula. That's what they're looking to do. That the craving would grow, but the satisfaction would diminish. And so, with ever greater vigour, we pursue the good feeling with fewer and fewer results. The ones who are caught up in the pursuit of good feelings find its craving more intense and its enjoyment less satisfying, and so the cycle of addiction deepens. Instead, the Lord says we're happy if we mourn, if we're not addicted to good feelings. That the path of the will of God entails a certain degree of freedom from the pursuit of pleasure, so that we can pursue what is truly good what is noble. The pursuit of mere pleasure means that we're made incapable of sacrificing ourselves for anything greater. And what a poor state we would be in if we cannot seek after what is good, even when it's hard. When we pursue these addictive powers um, that are present in our own fallen nature, we can see how they promise a kind of happiness, but how they rob us of final happiness the addictive power of wealth and of pleasure. There's a certain addictive quality to pursuing our own reputation and the opinion that others have of us. There's a certain addictive quality to wanting more power and the ability to exert our will over others. In the face of all of these, Jesus instead says, blessed are the meek, happy are the gentle, Happy those who hunger and thirst for what is right. Happy those who are peacemakers. And happy not just in the sense that one day they will become happy, but truly blessed because they live under God's promise. They live under God's wisdom. And their life begins its flourishing now and will come to its full flourishing in eternity. And now let's together profess our faith by praying the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the the Father Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. At the Saviour's command, and formed by divine teaching, 
we dare to say. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Let us welcome Christ into our hearts with an act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. And we finish by praying Pope Francis's prayer to Mary during the coronavirus pandemic. O Mary, you shine continuously on our journey as a sign of salvation and hope. We entrust ourselves to you health of the sick. At the foot of the cross, you participated in Jesus' pain with steadfast faith. You, salvation of the Roman people, know what we need. We are certain that you will provide, so that as you did in Cana of Galilee, joy and feasting might return after this moment of trial. Help us, Mother of Divine Love, to conform ourselves to the Father's will, and to do what Jesus tells us. He who took our sufferings upon himself and bore our sorrows to bring us through the cross to the joy of the resurrection. Amen. We seek refuge under your protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our pleas, we who are put to the test, and deliver us from every danger, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father. Amen.